0: This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. A podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn
1: from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. So
2: welcome back, everyone. This is the second part of our podcast with Tom Walters. Dr. Don Walters is a board-certified orthopedic physical therapist and strength and conditioning specialist in addition to his clinical practice. He also runs one of the world's largest social media accounts dedicated to physical rehab called at Rehab Science on Instagram. From 2012 to 2019, he served as a full-time kinesiology professor at Westmont College and taught courses including biomechanics, therapeutic exercise, and pain science. In the second part, we are going to discuss sedentary behavior and building up social media as a health or fitness professional. So welcome back, Tom. Thanks for having me back. So we're just continuing from what we left off from the first part. So physical therapy as a field has changed a lot during past decades from being a passive treatment towards a much more active approach. So where would you like to see the field of physical therapy to progress in the future?
0: Yeah, I think as it as we progress in the future, and I, I think we're already seeing uh, this type of messaging happening, especially on social media. I'm not sure out in the clinics. I think the clinics are probably somewhat behind maybe some of the discussions on social media, but I think as a profession, as we move into the future, we would be more focused on continuing to promote active interventions and, and really just boosting self-efficacy in people. And I think that change is happening. But like we were talking about earlier, really bringing in that uh, sort of therapy, psychology kind of piece where there's this conversation, uh, there's a focus on the conversation with the patient, understanding where they're coming from. Uh, Maybe there are things like short-term bouts of manual therapy. I still implement that in my practice and think it has value. Um, And then really ultimate goal of teaching them how to self-manage with movement exercise uh, and reassuring people that that is possible i always think imagine if you went to a psychologist and they led you to believe that you always had to come back to them to be healthy and there was no way to self-manage i think we need to be more like them as a profession and have this focus on teaching people that it is possible to self-manage and how to do that which i think you know exercise and physical activity is a huge component
2: I agree. It's a huge component, but manual therapy also definitely has a place in physical therapy. I believe that our strength, at least here in Finland, what we see is that in the public healthcare system, everybody's so busy. So in the private part where I work also, uh, we have time for patients and that is an asset. And uh, I really would like this to stay like this, that there is time to listen to people and then we can affect, as you said, people so that they can manage their conditions. It's maybe not always possible, but I think most of the time it is possible. So uh, in previous episodes, we have talked to physicians who are pro-physical activity, but there are also a lot of people in the healthcare system who don't see physical activity as an important part of healthcare. What do you think could be done better in promoting prehab and healthy lifestyle in healthcare generally?
0: Yeah, that is a good one. It's so... uh... It's almost shocking to me to hear that there are some people who don't see that as a piece of um just the role of physical activity. It's uh I, I you know, I think maybe it's continuing to put that research out there. I mean, I just continue and maybe it's because of where I'm at and what I'm reading and the people I'm interacting with, but I just time after, time and time again, continue to see physical activity, exercise research. And I I just put up a post yesterday from an exercise physiologist friend showing the difference in drugs versus exercise and their effects on a number of systems in the body. And right with medication, you often see these acute transient effects. Exercise, you can get acute and chronic. And many of these drugs mimic uh, the effects that exercise creates. And so... I don't know. To me, I I often feel like seeing research uh, is powerful to people, um, and it's maybe especially in this time period right now where it is tricky. There's so much information, and um, you know, people knowing who you can trust and what sources of trust. I, I still feel like I see people valuing if something has research behind it, and I. You know, I don't know. I, I like I say it's it's um hard for me at this point to understand to understand a situation where someone couldn't see the role of physical activity. That's really hard for me to so I, I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that. Maybe it's just continuing to share research on the area in places like social media where you can have a large reach. And get, maybe it gets patients to ask their healthcare provider about it, you know, or to cite some study or something. I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, that's been kind of my take on these is that now online is just being able to reach lots of people and hopefully put out things that are positive and help promote these kind of changes. Uh, I see it as sort of my best opportunity to, make change now.
2: I think you're making change. Your social media uh, is huge. So uh, my next question is going to be about your social media. So it's one of the largest in the field of physical therapy in the world. What do you think are the key elements of creating content that people like and respond to so well?
0: I really think the key in that has been uh, educating in a way, uh, speaking in a way that as digestible for people. Um, you know, and covering topics that are relevant to people. You know, I, when I started that account, I had no intention of, I had no idea that it would grow to the size of it did. I was just kind of doing it for fun and to put something positive out there. But I had been a physio for 10 years at that point. So I sort of, I think I didn't realize it, but it was actually really helpful in that I had sort of some, I, re- I was aware of common questions and patterns that people would come into the clinic with. And so then I just, I just framed posts around those questions and tried to make them kind of quick, bite-sized, easy to digest with some am- things you can immediately implement. You know, so a lot of my posts are something, some anatomy image, which I think is visually engaging to people. They can sort of instantly understand, oh, this is what it looks like if you rupture your Achilles tendon. Um, and then here are a few movements you could incorporate, which much of my account is resistance training because we have so much evidence for resistance and strength training for musculoskeletal issues. So, you know, they're like, it's, it's not like anything I opposed is rocket science. They're the same physiotherapy exercise. that we all give patients. So, but I think people just, uh, it's quick and easy. They can scroll through it and find some things to do. And obviously never a replacement as we know, seeing somebody and having someone, evaluate you and look for what sort of impairments are specific to you. What are your symptoms like? Having a tailored program that's created by an in, uh, working with an actual physio is a totally different thing. But it is amazing to see how many people can be helped by really generic cookie cutter kind of things that are relatively safe that they can just start doing.
2: Do you get a lot of feedback from people that the posts that you put, rehab science, social media have helped people? Do you get a lot of feedback?
0: I do get a lot of messages like that. And I mean, but I also, there, I'm sure there's lots of people where they tried something and it didn't help. Those people never send messages <laughs> saying this didn't work at all. So <laughs> I'm sure, you know, hopefully people understand that, look, if this doesn't help, it's really generic. Go see someone if it didn't help you or you got worse or something. But I do get a lot of messages from people saying, wow, I, you know, had tennis elbow and I implemented these exercises and it got better. So that I, that is... That's always really neat
2: to see. Yeah, and I- even if it doesn't maybe help, it gives the person the idea that I could go to a physiotherapist, you exactly. know, and see what this this is all about. So my actually, my next question was about, uh, I was thinking of asking how much of your, you're doing clinical work and you're doing social media and uh, how, how is your working time? Like how much of your working time are you spending on creating your, uh, social media?
0: Yeah, I probably at this point do half and half. When I was teaching, you know, in 2019, I left my teaching role and that was a great job because there's always this time. I mean, that's really how this got created. If I had been a full-time clinician, I don't think I would have the energy to do all this. <laughs> you know, you're at a clinic all day seeing patients and you come home. I wouldn't have had the energy. It only worked out that I, you know, full-time teaching jobs are not the full same hours as a full-time <laughs> clinician. It well, does not. Well, so. Why did
2: you change?
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I just kind of kick myself sometimes for... Um, but, it you know, that just... You know, that you think about a university schedule when you're in university. You just have gaps in your day. There's, you know, of course, they have other stresses and things. Uh, but um, I just had more time to kind of create this and make content. And then I just and then I develop systems and so it doesn't take me a ton of time anymore. I just kind of have um I the only reason it takes more time is cuz I've kind of stacked on other things. But right now I'm my goal because of trying to avoid kind of burnout with seeing people. I'm naturally introverted too, so talking to people all day is very draining for me. So I kind of like to be no more than half time with patients and then spend the other half working on you know all of my sort of online presence, so that would be that would be an, a great goal for me. Is that, that just it allows me to be introverted and still feel like I'm helping people?
2: Mm, I've heard that before, also. So, uh, so you also do online consulting. How do you how do you feel that like it's become natural to us as physiotherapists? Also, during the past year, what do you think about online consulting?
0: I it's okay. I I would, you know, it's never, to me, it, I feel like there are consultation times where I'm just ultimately wanting them to go see someone in person, you know, because it's hard. I The hard part for me is that because I do like, it, the in-person is just so different and not being able to touch someone to help sort of diagnose or figure out what they have, you know, what might be going on. I do really find value in manual therapy. I know some people want to agree with that, but. With certain people, I really do think there's value in it. Um, And so I miss that with the virtual consultations. But I do think the virtual consultations are obviously better than nothing. And at the end of the day, talking with someone, um, hopefully being able to reassure them in a positive way, and then giving them movement-based options that they can hopefully help kind of reduce symptoms and self-manage with, is probably what I was talking about earlier of where maybe we're moving the profession to. So, it does seem like in some ways virtual consultations could fit with where this profession is
1: heading. Join to stop the worldwide pandemic of inactivity. Are you a medical doctor, physical therapist, personal trainer, or someone else helping individuals in making a change towards a healthier, better life? Imagine a behavior change tool designed for professionals like you to help your clients achieve better results and at the same time, provide you with more income. Fibian is that tool. It offers an evidence-based way for health and wellness professionals to extend their services into coaching. The only thing your client needs to do is put a tiny Fibian device into their pocket for a week. No buttons, no apps, no Bluetooth connections, just a foolproof way to get scientifically accurate data easily. The device collects objective physical activity data from your client. Furthermore, it forms easy-to-understand visual feedback and lifestyle suggestions towards healthier choices that you can present and discuss with your client. An individual approach encourages and motivates clients to change their lifestyle patterns and gives you an opportunity to strengthen your expert status and distinguish from competition. Fibion helps you to educate and coach your clients through this change towards a more active and healthy life. Strengthen your expert status. Distinguish yourself from the competition. Order Fibion now at Fibion.com. That's F-I-B-O-N com.
2: In a way, yes. And um, with your population, it's a lot of load managing, I guess. So the online consultation might work quite well. So as most of our listeners are researchers or other health and fitness professionals, I would like to ask you, what do you see are the benefits that you see from creating your own social media? You know, obviously there's many people who see what you post, but are there any other benefits that you see from your social media work?
0: Yeah, do you mean benefits to me directly or just benefits in general?
2: Um, Both maybe to you directly Mm -hmm. and also general
0: yeah i mean i like i said it all started this is actually the third or fourth iteration of this account because i had deleted it in the past when it was smaller
2: why did you Uh, delete it
0: you know at the time i just didn't really understand i think i was i one of the things that worked out well for me is that i was one of the I, i don't think there were many pts doing this on instagram when i started there was just a handful of us so it was just kind of being in the right place at the right time but i because I didn't understand what I was doing in the beginning, I would put up a lot of, um, things that were sort of narcissistic. Me at the gym doing box jumps or something. Nobody wanted to, it doesn't help anyone. <laughs> you know, it just, I, so then I would delete it because I'd wake up one morning as the student narcissistic and I'd delete it. Um, and then I, I was, when I was teaching at that time, I came into class and a student had said, Oh, you had a post with these shoulder exercises. My mom's got a rotator cuff issue and it was really helping her. And I, in that moment, realized, this is what I should be doing. I should be taking all this information and putting it in nice little packages each day and just have the sort of goal of helping people. And so that was when I, that was really the goal when I restarted when I started it for the last time was just to put something positive out there. And I think like we were talking about before in terms of benefits, that has been one thing I've seen over the years is that these simple posts can positively affect people. Um, All over the world, but the really neat situations are when I, I do end up interacting with people who either don't have access to physiotherapy in their country or it's too expensive, you know, so they, some way or another are limited in their access to such a service, but they have a phone and they can, um, you know, watch those movements and integrate them. You know, it, um, because of how that account has grown, I feel very grateful that it has, you know, for me personally, well, I was always interested in. I was never really content with uh, changing people on a one one on one sort of level. It I just never felt. It just wasn't. I wasn't as motivated to um, have that kind of impact. I always wanted to build a. So teaching was kind of the next step. I could in. in I could. Uh, you know, affect maybe thirty people in a room. You know, and um, and then social media just. Again, I didn't know where it would, that it would grow to this size, but I, I really do feel very grateful to have that audience and be able to put information out that hopefully can empower and build self-efficacy and positively impact people. And I, sometimes I'm not, I, there are times I don't do a great job of it. So, uh, you know, and I hear it from people. Okay. When <laughs> post. Do you want so, to, um,
2: do you want to give us an example of not doing a well, great job? <laughs>
0: I you know I think sometimes um you know then maybe sometimes the manual therapy ones I mean maybe you know I've done some before where that will kind of ruffle feathers um even just kind of promoting manual therapy at all or maybe showing I've had once or maybe I showed a technique that or maybe the way I communicated something it wasn't obvious that it should really be done by a practitioner and I think that's the tricky part is it lots of trainers and people watching things who, or just some, a couple at home might try to implement. I remember I did a thoracic mobilization that I thought was very straightforward. Um And even my orthopedics professor came in and was sort of, I think annoyed that I had posted okay. it yeah. and made, and made it out to be just something you could do at home, you know, which I still think that's probably possible, but you know, um and then, you know, I, of course, there are other ones that aren't necessarily, I think, bad in how I'm posting them but I will get a lot of backlash from like the chiropractic profession if I <laughs> call out I, I a lot of times have this post I do on spinal manipulation just sort of questioning how does it work and the efficacy and that post um, is always or tends that that profession tends to take it as an attack when really fit you know physios do manipulations osteopaths I, it's not just so it can be exhausting. Sometimes the f- comments, yeah, it can be tiring.
2: Uh, definitely. And uh, you kind of, as the audience grows, you also have more responsibility of what you post. You, As you said, you can um, affect many people in a good way and I guess also in a bad way even though I think your posts are really awesome so
0: no I agree there's some other accounts out there that are very nocebic in nature I think and you really can harm people I mean I see that some other big ones that do these things people I know that they're just um I, I, there's a some of this fear-mongering and I think uh, posts that lead people to believe their bodies are more fragile than they are or that um Something's broken or injured if they have pain. I just, so I definitely see um, the potential harm from some of those things. So I, I try to stay away from that. Um, and I'm sure it might happen from time to time if I'm not thinking about all the ways my message could be interpreted. But I try to be really careful about my messaging.
2: Mm-hmm. So. But, but making mistakes is, is human. Everybody Everybody does them sometimes. I was also thinking, do you see that people who come to see you in person, so they probably have seen your social media already. So do you feel it easier to also talk about things? Do you, do you feel that they already know how you think about physical therapy?
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that could be one of the benefits. People were thinking about starting something. It is a great, it's almost like a a real-time or... It's sort of like a, a res, it's almost like a CV of your practice, you know? So rather than seeing degrees and things on a piece of paper, I, people, I think, get way more benefit from seeing how I think and what I would implement for a particular condition. So I do have a lot of patients. So that maybe that's another benefit is people coming in to see me because they're in town and didn't know of me and find that account or they, tra- a lot of times people travel here. So they'll come and see me because there's in town for business or something. It, but it is, it's nice. So they, I will have people find me. Um, and then when they do come, they kind of already have some, their expectations are already sort of formed into, you know, having some idea of what I'll probably do with them. And so that, that part is, um, it takes less explanation when they're here.
2: I agree. And, and that's great. Um, so you have done interesting projects in your professional life already. But what's next? Is there anything you want to share with our listeners?
0: Oh, I'm really excited. I have a really fun project going on right now. I signed a publishing with a publishing house to write a book. And so the book is about two thirds of the way through and um, will basically be a book that is for the lay population, for patients, but I think could be useful to um, fitness professionals and physios and other rehab professionals. But it's... The hard thing about social media is that I have so many people asking about, do you have a post on this? Is there something I could do for this? It's very hard for people to find things and to organize things in a way that they're easy to find. So the book will basically take, the book will be great in that we're going to talk about the difference between pain and injury. So there will be chapters on that because I think there are great books like Explain Pain and things like that for clinicians, but not one that's a common one known for the average consumer that helps them differentiate between pain and injury. Um, So I think that will, I'm excited about that part. And then it will cover in that book, um, really probably 35 of the most common orthopedic conditions and sort of phases of exercises they could implement based on sort of the acuteness of their issue. So I'm really excited. It'll be kind of a reference book. This company, this publishing house specializes in these kind of books. Are these big 600 page, Almost like textbooks for the general population, so uh, I'm really excited about that. And then that will also create a. I'm going to create a certification along with it um, to help people. Just um, and I think it'll probably end up being. I would imagine, and this again is where that fine line is, but maybe taking more individuals who are in the pure physical activity, exercise sort of professions, Pilates, yoga trainers, helping them maybe sort of guide them through steps to, if they've got someone who has pain, maybe it's someone who's left PT, something like that, just how to think about kind of that process, not to make them physios, but, you know, and that's where that fine line is, but to kind of, I just think exercise is so powerful, right? Physical activity is so powerful for so many of these conditions and I've sort of over the years sort of transformed in my mindset of thinking that this is only the realm of physios um, and seeing more of that continuum and that I think we need to bring some of the fitness people, some, you know, insurance-based physio, at least here, people will often end and not really be at a level that's where their tissue, where they're ready to return to sport or higher level activities. So I think, and that's where I think strength and conditioning specialists have become so uh, impactful but hopefully with that kind of the book and the certification it will help kind of bridge some of that gap and bring I think some of the rehab and fitness professionals together
2: that's a great goal and uh, when is the book going to be available
0: it uh, right now we're hoping for April of next year what's well, gonna be January and then summer slowed things down so, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> probably April so yeah I, I am really excited about that project that's kind of yeah for me I think the next few years, the years I'm looking at um, kind of transitioning again to still being in the clinic a little bit, I think that helps keep things relevant because you forget questions that patients ask. And so I still want to um, be doing that, but also helping me sort of create this thing that fits my personality and wiring a little better.
2: That's great to hear. So um, how can our listeners uh, reach you? on Instagram do you have any other social media accounts or yeah how how could people reach you
0: yeah people um I I do uh Instagram is probably the best if people want to direct message me on Instagram they can um that's great uh, I, I I do have this account on Facebook but I don't check the messages so I just <laughs> kind of put things there um okay. and then I I have a YouTube too which has a little more detail that's only been going for about a year um but you know, I do try to respond to comments. Instagram's direct messages, that's kind of my main base. So if okay. um, people want a direct message on there or a comment, I, I actually really prefer comments because then everyone learns from them. I often am trying to get people to just, if it's not something really personal, ask a question in the comments because people really do read through them. And um, I think it's a powerful area besides just the, the, the post text.
2: Uh, That's so true. I really want to thank you for taking the time and being here uh, with us. I think it's a really beneficial episode for many of our listeners. So uh, thank you to all our listeners. And thank you, Tom, so much for being here today. Honestly, thanks
0: again for having me. Excited to be the first physio (laughs) on. So thank you. (laughs) Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast.